Chapter Thirteen of The Wooden Horse by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. Meanwhile, there was Robin, and he had been spending several very unhappy days. In the gloom of his room, alone and depressed, he had been passing things in review. He had never hitherto felt any very burning desire to know how he stood with the world. At school and Cambridge he had not thought at all. He had just, as it were, slid into things. His surroundings had grouped themselves of their own accord, making a delicately appreciative circle with no disturbing element. His friends had been of his own kind. The things that he had wished to do he had done. His thoughts had been dictated by set forms and customs this had seemed to him hitherto an extraordinarily broad outlook he had never doubted for a moment its splendid infallibility he applied the tests of his set to the world at large and the world conformed life was very easy on such terms and he had been happy and contented his meeting with dahlia had merely lent a little colour to his pleasant complacency and then when it had threatened to become something more he had ruthlessly cut it out this should have been simple enough and he had been at a loss to understand why the affair had left any traces friends of his at college had had such episodes and had been mildly amused at their rapid conclusion he had tried to be mildly amused at the conclusion of his own affair but he had failed miserably why he did not know he must be sensitive he supposed then in that case he had failed to reach the proper standard randall was never sensitive but there had been other things during the last week everything had seemed to be topsy-turvy he dated it definitely from the arrival of his father he recalled the day his tie was badly made he remembered and he had been rather concerned about it how curious it all was he must have changed since then because now well ties seemed scarcely to matter at all he saw his father standing at the open window watching the lighted town robin old boy we'll have a good time you and i and then aunt claire with her little cry of horror and his father's hurried apology that had been the beginning of things one could see how it would go from the first had it after all been so greatly his father's fault he was surprised to find that he was regarding his uncle and aunt critically it had been their fault to a great extent they had never given him a chance then he remembered the next morning and his own curt refusal to his father's invitation he had books to pack for randall how absurd it was and he wondered why he should have considered randall so important he could have waited for the books but these things depended entirely on his own sudden discovery that he had failed in a crisis failed and failed lamentably he did not believe that randall would have failed randall would not have worried about it for a moment what then was precisely the difference he had acted throughout according to the old set formula he had applied all the rules of the game as he had learnt them and nevertheless he had been beaten and so there had crept over him gradually slowly and at last overwhelmingly the knowledge that the world that he had imagined was not the world as it is that the people he had admired were not the only admirable people in it and that the laws that had governed him were only a small fragment of the laws that rule the world 
when this discovery first comes to a man the effect is deadening like a ship that has lost its bearings he plunges in a sea of entangled confused ideas with no assurances as to his own ability to reach any safe port whatever it is this crisis that marks the change from youth to manhood three weeks ago robin had been absolutely confident not only in himself but in his relations his house and his future now he trusted in nothing but he had not yet arrived at the point when he could regard his own shortcomings as the cause of his unhappiness he pointed to circumstances his aunt his uncle dahlia even randall and he began a search for something more reliable of course his aunt and uncle might have solved the problem for him he had not dared to question them and they had never mentioned the subject themselves but they did not look as though they had succeeded he fancied that they had avoided him during the last few days the serious illness of his grandfather still further complicated matters he was not expected to live through the week robin was sorry but he had never seen very much of his grandfather and it was after all only fitting that such a very old man should die some time no the point really was that his father would in a week's time be sir henry trojan and head of the house that was what mattered now his father was the one person whom he could find no excuse whatever for blaming he had stood entirely outside the affair from the beginning and as far as robin could tell knew nothing whatever about it robin indeed had taken care that he should not interfere he had been kept outside from the first no robin could not blame his father for the state of things perhaps even if it might have been better if his advice had been asked but everything drove him back to the ultimate fact from which indeed there was no escaping that there was every prospect of his finding himself within a few weeks time the interesting centre of a common affair in the courts for breach of promise and as this ultimate issue shone clearer and clearer robin's terror increased in volume to his excited fancy living and dead seemed to turn upon him country cousins like the reverend george trojan of west taunton a clergyman whose evangelical tendencies had been the mock of the house colonel trojan of cheltenham a port and pepper indian as robin had scornfully called him the mrs trojan of south sea ladies of an advanced years and slender purses who had always sent him a card at christmas mrs adeline trojan of Tainmouth, who had spent her life in beating at the doors of london society and had retired at last defeated to the provincial gentility of a seaside town oh robin had laughed at them all and scorned them again and again and behold how the tables would be turned and the dead their scorn would be harder still to bear he had thought of them often enough and had long ago known their histories by heart he had gazed at their portraits in the long gallery until he knew every line of their faces old lady trojan of sixteen forty a little like rembrandt's lady with the ruff with her stern mouth and eyes and stiff white collar she must have been a lady of character sir charles trojan her son who plotted for william of orange and was rewarded royally after the glorious revolution lady gossiter trojan a woman who had taken active part in the forty-five and used the flutes as a refuge for intriguing jacobites 
and best of all a dim black picture of a man in armour that hung over the mantelpiece a portrait of a certain sir robert trojan who had fought in the baron's wars and been a giant of his times he had always been robin's hero and had formed the centre of many an imaginary tapestry worked by robin's brain and now his descendant must pay costs in a breach of promise case they had all had their faults those trojans some of them had robbed and murdered with little compunction but they had always had their pride they had never done anything really low what they had done they had done with a high hand robin would be the first of the family to let them down and it was rather curious to think that three weeks ago it had been his father who was going to let them down robin remembered with what indignation he had heard of his father's visits to the cove his friendship with bethel and the rest but surely it was they who had driven him out it was their own doing from the first or rather his aunt and uncles he was beginning to be annoyed with his aunt and uncle he felt vaguely that they had got him into the mess and were quite unable to pull him out again which reflection brought him back to the original main business namely that there was a mess and a bad one it was one of his qualities of youth that he could not wait patience was an utterly unlearned virtue and this desperate uncertainty this sitting like damocles under a sword suspended by a hair was hard to bear what was dahlia doing had she already taken steps he watched every post with terror lest it should contain a lawyer's writ he had the vaguest ideas about such things perhaps they would put him in prison to his excited fancy the letters seemed enormous horrible black menacing large for all the world to see what had aunt claire done his uncle and then last of all had his father any suspicions whether it was the london tailor or simply the reassuring hand of custom his father was certainly not the uncouth person he had seemed three weeks ago in fact robin was beginning to think him rather handsome such muscles and such a chest and he really carried himself very well and indeed loose badly made clothes suited him rather well and then he had changed so in other ways there was none of that overwhelming cheerfulness that terrible hail-fellow-well-met kind of manner now he was brief and to the point he seldom smiled and surely it wasn't to be wondered at after the way in which they had treated him at the family council a week ago there have been several occasions lately on which robin would have liked to have spoken to his father he had begun once after breakfast a halting conversation but he had only received monosyllables as a reply the thing had broken down painfully and so he went down to his aunt it was her room again and she was having tea with uncle garrett robin remembered the last occasion only a week ago when he had made his confession he had been afraid of hurting his aunt then he remembered he did not mind very much now he saw his aunt and uncle as two people suddenly grown effete purposeless incapable they seemed to have changed altogether which only meant that he was at last finding himself there hung a gloom over claire's tea-table partly no doubt because of sir jeremy the old man with the wrinkled hands and parchment face seemed to follow one noiselessly remorselessly through every passage and into every room 
but there was also something else that tension always noticeable in a room where people whose recent action towards some common goal is undeclared are gathered together they were waiting for someone else to make the next move and it was robin who made it asking at once as he dropped the sugar into his cup and balanced for a moment the tongs in the air well aunt clara what have you done she noticed at once that he asked it a little scornfully as though assured beforehand that she had done very little there was a note of antagonism in the way that he had spoken a hint even of challenge she knew at once that he had changed during the last week and again knowing as she did of her failure with the girl and guessing perhaps at its probable sequence she hated harry from the bottom of her heart done why how robin dear i don't advise these tea-cakes they're heavy i must speak to wilson she's been a little careless lately these biscuits are quite nice done dear yes aunt about miss feverel no i don't want anything to eat thanks it seems only an hour or so since lunch yes about well those letters claire looked up at him pleadingly he was speaking a little like harry she had noticed during the last week that he had several things in common with his father little things the way that he wrinkled his forehead pushed back his hair with his hand she was not sure that it was not conscious imitation and indeed it had seemed to her during the last week that every day drew him further from herself and nearer to harry she had counted on this affair as a means of reclaiming him and now she must confess failure oh it was so hard well robin i have tried she paused well he said dryly waiting i'm afraid it wasn't much of a success she said trying to laugh i suppose that really i'm not good at that sort of thing at what sort of thing he stood over her like a judge the certainty of her failure the only thing that he could grasp he did not recognize her own love for him her fear lest he should be angry he was merciless as he had been three weeks ago with his father as he had been with dahlia feverel and for the same reason because each had taken from him some of that armour of self-confidence in which he had so greatly trusted the winds of the heath were blowing about him and he stood stripped shivering before the world she was not good at that sort of thing that was exactly it exactly the summary of his new feeling about his aunt and uncle they were not able to cope with that hard new world into which he had been so suddenly flung they were he scornfully considered tea-table persons and in so judging them he condemned himself i'm so sorry dear i did my very best i went to see the um uh, miss feverel and we talked about them but i'm afraid that i couldn't persuade her she seemed determined what did she say oh very little only that she considered that the letters were hers and that therefore she had every right to keep them if she liked she seemed to attach some especial rather sentimental value to them and considered apparently that it would be quite impossible to give them up how was she looking ill it had been one of robin's consolations during these weeks to imagine her pale wretched broken down oh no extremely well she seemed rather amused at the whole affair i was not there very long and is that all you have done have you i mean taken any other steps yes i wrote yesterday morning i got an answer this morning what was it 
robin spoke eagerly perhaps his aunt had some surprise in store and would produce the letter suddenly surely dahlia would not have written unless she had relented claire went to her writing-table and returned with the letter held gingerly between finger and thumb i'm afraid it's not very long she said laughing nervously and again looking at robin appealingly i had written asking her to think over what she had said to me the day before she says dear miss strogen surely the matter is closed after what happened the other day i am extremely sorry that you should be troubled by my decision but it is i am afraid unalterable yours truly d feverel her decision cried robin quickly had she told you anything had she decided anything only that she would keep the letters answered claire slowly you couldn't expect me robin dear to argue with her about it one had after all one's dignity oh it's no use cried robin she means to use them of course it's all plain enough we've just got to face it i suppose and then as a forlorn hope turning to his uncle you've done nothing i suppose uncle garrett his uncle had hitherto taken no part in the discussion but sat intent on the book that he was reading now he answered without looking up oh yes i saw the girl you saw her from claire what dahlia from robin yes i called he laid the book down on his knee and enjoyed the effect of his announcement he could be important for a moment at any rate although he must with his next words confess failure so he prolonged the situation some more tea claire please and not quite so strong this time you might speak about the tea why not make it yourself she took his cup and went over to the tea-table she knew how to play the game as well as he did and she showed no astonishment or vulgar curiosity but if he had succeeded where she had failed she must change her hand she had never thought very much about garrett he was a thorough trojan for that she was very grateful but he had always been more of an emblem to her than a man now if he had got the letters she was humiliated indeed robin would despise her for having failed where his uncle had succeeded well have you got them robin bent forward eagerly no not precisely garrett answered deliberately but i went to see her with what result well no precise result that is to say she did not promise to surrender them not immediately but i have every hope he paused mysteriously of what if his uncle had really a chance of getting them he was not such a fool after all perhaps he was a cleverer man than one gave him credit for being well of course one has very little ground for any real assertion but we discussed the matter at some length i think i convinced her that it would be her wisest course to deliver up the letters as soon as might be and i assured her that we would let the matter rest there and take no further steps i think she was impressed and he sipped his tea slowly and solemnly impressed yes but what has she promised robin cried impatiently he knew dahlia better than they did and he did not feel somehow that she was very likely to be impressed with uncle garrett he was not the kind of man promised oh no not a precise promise but she was quite pleasant and seemed to be open to argument quite a nice young person ah you have done nothing there was a note of relief in claire's exclamation 
why not say so at once garrett instead of beating about the bush there is an end of it we have failed robin both of us we are where we were before and what to do next i really don't know it was rather a comfort to drag garrett into it as well she was glad that he had tried it made her own failure less noticeable robin looked at both of them gloomily from the fireplace aunt claire handsome aristocratic perfectly well fitted to pour out tea in any society but useless 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 when it came to the real thing uncle garrett and his eyeglass trying to make the most of a situation in which he had most obviously failed no they were no good either of them and three weeks ago they had seemed the ultimate standard by which his own life was to be tested how quickly one learnt well what is to be done he said desperately it's plain enough that she means to stick to the things and after all there can only be one reason for her doing it she means to use them i can see no way out of it at all one must just stand up to it we'll think dear we'll think said claire eagerly ideas are sure to come if we only wait wait but we can't wait cried robin she'll move at once probably the letters are in the lawyer's hands already then there's nothing to be done said garrett comfortably settling back again into his book he was he flattered himself a man of most excellent practical sense no it really seems robin as if we had better wait said claire we must have patience perhaps after all she has taken no steps but robin was angry he had long ago forgotten his share in the business he had adopted so successfully the role of injured sufferer that his own actions seemed to him almost meritorious but he was very angry with them here they were in the face of a family crisis deliberately adopting a policy of laissez-faire he had done his best and had failed but he was young and ignorant of the world that at least he now admitted but they were old experienced wise or at least they had always seemed to him to stand for experience and wisdom and yet they could do nothing nay worse they seemed to wish to do nothing oh he was angry with them the whole room with its silver and knick-knacks its beautifully worked cushions and charming water-colours its shining rows of complete editions and dainty china stood to him now for incapacity three weeks ago it had seemed his holy of holies but we can't wait he repeated we can't don't you see aunt claire she isn't the sort of girl that waiting does for she'd never dream of waiting herself dahlia seemed by contrast with their complacent acquiescence almost admirable well dear claire answered your uncle and i have both tried i think that we may be alarming ourselves unnecessarily i must say she didn't seem to me to bear any grudge against you i dare say she will leave things as they are then why keep the letters oh sentiment it would remind her you see but robin could only repeat no she's not that kind of girl and marvel perplexedly at their short-sightedness and then he approached the point there is of course he said slowly one other person who might help us he paused garrett put his book down and looked up claire leaned towards him yes claire looked slightly incredulous of any suggested remedy but apparently composed and a little tired of all this argument but in reality her heart was beating furiously had it come at last that first mention of his father that she had dreaded for so many days 
i really cannot think from garrett why not my father again it seemed to claire that she and harry were struggling for robin since that first moment of his entry they had struggled she with her twenty years of faithful service he with nothing oh it was unfair but robin she said gently you can't not at least after what has happened this is an affair for ourselves for the family but he is the family well in a sense yes but his long absence his different way of looking at things make it rather hard it would be better wouldn't it to settle it here without its going further to settle it yes but we can't we don't we are leaving things quite alone waiting when we ought to do something robin knew that she was showing him that his father was still outside the circle that for herself and uncle garrett recent events had made no difference but was he outside the circle why should he be at any rate he would soon be head of the house and then it would matter very little also claire added he will scarcely have time just now he is with father all day and i don't see what he could do after all he could see her said robin slowly he suddenly remembered that dahlia had once expressed great admiration for his father she was the very woman to like that kind of man a hurried mental comparison between his father and uncle garrett favoured the idea he could see her he said again i think she might like him my dear boy said garrett take it from me that what a man could do i've done i assure you it's useless your father is a very excellent man but i must confess in my opinion scarcely a diplomat well at any rate it's worth trying said robin impatiently we must i suppose eat humble pie after the things you said to him aunt claire the other day but i must confess it's the only chance he will be decent about it i'm sure i think you scarcely realize how nasty it promises to be who is to ask said garrett i will ask him said claire suddenly perhaps after all robin is right he might do something it might she thought be the best thing unless he tried robin would always consider him capable of succeeding but he should try and fail fail why of course he would fail thank you aunt claire robin walked to the door and then turned soon uh, would be best then he closed the door behind him his father was coming down the stairs as he passed through the hall he saw him against the light of the window and he half turned as though to speak to him but his father gave no sign he looked very stern perhaps his grandfather was dead then suddenly fear the terror of death brought very close to him for the first time caught him by the throat he is not dead he whispered he is asleep harry said stopping for a moment on the last step of the stairs and looking at him across the hall i am afraid that he won't live through the night they had both spoken softly and the utter silence of the house the heaviness of the air so that it seemed to hang in thick clouds above one's head drove robin out he looked as though he would speak and then with bent head passed into the garden he felt most miserably lonely and depressed if he hadn't been so old and proud he would have hidden in one of the bushes and cried it was all so terrible his grandfather that weighty eerie impression of death felt for the first time the dreadful uncertainty of the feveral affair all things were quite enough for misery but this feeling of loneliness was new to him 
he had always had friends but even when they had failed him there had been behind them the house its traditions its records its history his aunt and uncle and most reassuring of all himself but now all these had failed him his friends were vaguely unattractive randall was terribly superficial he was betraying the house his aunt and uncle were unsatisfactory and for himself well he wasn't quite so splendid as he had once thought he was wretchedly dissatisfied with it all and felt that he would give all the polish and culture in the world for a simple unaffected friendship in which he could trust someone he said angrily that would do something and his thoughts were of his father it was dark now and he went down to the sea because he liked the white flash of the waves as they broke on the beach this sudden appearing and disappearing and the rustle of the pebbles as they turned slowly back and vanished into the night again he liked too the myriad lights of the town the rows of lamps rising tier on tier into the night sky like people in some great amphitheatre waiting in silence for the rising of a mighty curtain he always thought on these nights of germany germany worms the little bookseller the distant gleam of candles in the cathedrals the flash of the sun through the trees over the rhine the crooked cobbled streets at night with the moon like a lamp and the gabled roofs flinging wild shadows over the stones the night sea brought it very close and carried randall and cambridge and dahlia feverel very far away although he did not know why he watched the light of the town and the waves and the great flashing eye of the lighthouse and then turned back as he climbed the steps up the cliff he heard someone behind him and turning saw that it was mary bethel she said good night quickly and was going to pass him but he stopped her i haven't seen you for ages mary he said he resolved to speak to her she knew his father and had always been a good sort perhaps she would help him are you coming back robin she said stopping and smiling there was a lamp at the top of the cliff where the road ran past the steps and by the light of it he saw that she had been crying but he was too much occupied with his own affairs to consider the matter very deeply and then girls cried so easily yes he said let us go round by the road and the chapel it's a splendid night perhaps we don't seem to have met recently we've both been busy i suppose that i've a good deal to talk about if you like she said rather listlessly it would at least save her from her own thoughts and protect her perhaps from the ceaseless repetition of that scene of three days ago when she had turned the man that she loved more than all the world away and had lied to him because she was proud and so at first she scarcely listened to him they walked down the road that ran along the top of the cliff and the great eye of the lighthouse wheeled upon them flashed and vanished she saw the room with its dingy carpet and wide-open window and she heard his voice again and saw his hands clenched oh she had been a fine fool so it was little wonder that she did not hear his son but robin had at last an audience and he knew no mercy all the agitation of the last week came pouring forth he lost all sense of time and place he was at the end of the world addressing infinity on the subject of his woes and it says a good deal for his vanity and not much for his sense of humour that he did not feel the lack of proportion in such a position 
it was a girl you know perhaps you met her a miss feverel dahlia feverel I, I met her at cambridge and we got rather thick and then i wrote to her oh rot you know like the one does and uh, when i wanted to get back the letters she wouldn't let me have them and she's going to use them i'm afraid for well breach of promise he paused and waited for the effect of the announcement but it never came she was walking quickly with her head lifted to catch the wind that blew from the sea he could not be certain that she had heard breach of promise he repeated impressively it would be rather an awful thing for people in our position if it really came to that it would be beastly for me of course i meant nothing by it uh, the letters i mean a chap never does everybody at cambridge talks to girls the girls like it but she took it seriously and now she may bring it down on our heads at any time and you can't think how beastly it is waiting for it to come we've done all we could all of us and i can tell you it's been worrying me like anything wondering what she's done my uncle and aunt both tried and failed i was rather disappointed because after all one would have thought that they would be able to deal with a thing like that wouldn't one he paused again but she only said yes and hurried on so now i'm at my wit's end and i thought that you might help me why not your father she asked suddenly ah that's just it he answered eagerly that's where i wanted you to give me your advice you see well it's a little hard to explain we weren't very nice to the governor when he came back first the first day or two i mean he was well different didn't look at things as we did liked different things and had strong views about knocking down the cove so we went on our way and didn't pay much attention to him i dare say he's told you all about it and i'm sorry enough now although it really was largely his own fault i don't think he seemed to want us to have much to do with him and then one day claire spoke to him about things and asked him to consider us a little and he flared up well i've a sort of idea that he could help us now at any rate there's no one else aunt claire said that she would ask him but you know him better than any of us and of course it is a little difficult for us after the way that we've spoken to him you might help us i thought he couldn't be sure even now that mary had been listening she looked so strange this evening that he was afraid of her and half wished that he had kept his affairs to himself she was silent for a moment because she was wondering what it was that harry had really done about the letters it was amusing because they obviously didn't know that she had told him but what had he done do you want me to help you robin she asked uh, yes of course he answered eagerly you know him so well and could get him to do things that he would never do for us i'm afraid of him or rather have been just lately i don't know what there is about him exactly you want me to help you she asked again well then you've got to put up with a bit of my mind you've caught me in a bad mood and i don't care whether it hurts you or not you're in for a bit of plain speaking he looked up at her with surprise but said nothing oh i know i'm no very great person myself she went on quickly almost fiercely i've also known in the last few weeks how rotten one can really be but at least i have known i do know and that's just what you don't we've been friends for some time you and i but if you don't look out we shan't be friends much longer why he asked quietly 
you were never very much good she went on paying no attention to his question and always conceited but that was your aunt's fault as much as any one's and she gave you that idea of your family that you were god's own chosen people and that no one could come within speaking distance of you you had that when you were quite a little boy and you seemed to have thought that that was enough that you need never do anything all your life just because you were a trojan eton helped the idea and when you went up to cambridge you were a snob of the first order i thought cambridge would knock it out of you but it didn't it encouraged you and you were always with people who thought as you did and you fancied that your own little corner of the earth your own little potato patch was better than everyone else's garden i thought you were a pretty poor thing when you came back from cambridge last year but now you've beaten my expectations by a good deal i say he broke in really i but she went on unheeding instead of working and doing something like any decent man would you loafed along with your friends learning to tie your tie and choosing your waistcoat buttons you go and make love to a decent girl and then when you've tired of her tell her so and seem surprised at her hitting back then at last when there is a chance of your seeing what a man is like that he isn't only a man who dresses decently like a tailor's model when your father comes back and asks you to spend a few of your idle hours with him you laugh at him his manners his habits his friends his way of thinking you insult him and cut him dead your father one of the finest men in the world why you aren't fit to brush his clothes but that isn't the worst now when you find you're in a hole and you want someone to help you out of it and you don't know where to turn you suddenly think of your father he wasn't any good before he was rough and stupid almost vulgar but now that he can help you you'll turn and play the dutiful son that's you as you are robin trojan you ask me for it and you've got it it's just as well that you should see yourself as you are for once in your life you'll forget it all again soon enough i'm not saying it's only you it's the lot of you idle worthless snobbish empty useless help you no you can go to your father yourself and think yourself lucky if he will speak to you mary stopped for lack of breath of course he couldn't know that she'd been attacking herself as much as him that had it not been for that scene three days ago she would never have spoken at all i say he said quietly is it really as bad as that am i that sort of chap yes you know it now at least it's not quite fair i'm only like the rest i yes but why should you be fancy being proud that you are like the rest one of a crowd they turned up the road to her house and she began to relent when she saw that he was not angry no he said nodding his head slowly i expect you're about right mary things have been happening lately that have made everything different i've been thinking i see my father differently then how could you she cried you to cut him and turn him out oh robin you weren't always that sort no he answered i wasn't once in germany i was different when i had got away from things but it's harder here and then again slowly but am i really as bad as that mary suddenly compunction seized her what right had she to speak to him after all he was only a boy and she was every bit as bad herself 
oh i don't know she said wearily i'm all out of sorts to-night robin we're neither of us fit to speak to him and you've treated him badly all of you i oughtn't to have spoken as i did perhaps but here we are you'd better forget it and another day i'll tell you some of the nice things about you am i that sort of chap he said again staring in front of him with his hand on the gate she said good-night and left him standing in the road he turned up the hill with his head bent he was scarcely surprised and not at all angry it only seemed the climax to so many things that had happened lately a snob a pretty poor thing you won't work you learn to choose your waistcoat buttons that was the kind of chap he was and his father one of the finest men there is he'd missed his chance perhaps he would never get it again but he would try he passed into the garden and fumbled for the latch-key he would speak to his father to-morrow mary was quite right he was a pretty poor thing End of chapter thirteen